just in time for summer, the folks at Epic Brewing have released a new canned cocktail, the Utah Margarita. A delicious blend of real lime and agave, the Utah Margarita is ready to drink by the river or in the park. And here's the kicker, no need to buy it at a liquor store. Pick up a six-pack of Epic Brewing's Utah Margarita at any local Harmon's or Trader Joe's, or visit Epic Brewing on State Street in downtown Salt Lake City. Today on CityCast Salt Lake, last year we did a show on the sneaky things in your lease, and you told us it was really helpful. Because the truth is, we could all use a little free legal advice now and then. So today we bring you, friend, you need a will. Candace Waters is the coolest estate planner I've ever met. She works at Lewis Hansen Law Firm. And recently she hosted a workshop for Salt Lake's first responders because it turns out even they don't have wills. So here's a little guide to getting our affairs in order. It's Wednesday, November 30th, 2022. I'm Ali Vallarta, and this is CityCast Salt Lake. Candace Waters, you are the co-chair of the Wills for Heroes program in Salt Lake, which provides free life planning to first responders. I have to ask you, because this is like really taking me out. Why don't all first responders have a will? <laughs> That's what? a great question. And that's the goal. That's what we're trying to do. <laughs> it's honestly, I think they just face the same barriers that everyone else faces. Yeah. So it's a question of, um, you know, it might be, hey, I need to get this done. But you have so many other things going on. Right? You've got family obligations. You've got work. You've got projects. You've got home improvement, whatever. So it's, it's a, another thing on the to-do list. The other big thing is it's how much is that going to cost or how do I get that done? I have to find an attorney or I have to go online. And it's just it's one of those things where I think when I talk to people, everyone knows, oh, this is important or I've thought about this for a long time. It's just making the effort to actually accomplish the goal. Yeah. So I'm 31. I don't have a will. I've been asking my friends, and a lot of them don't either. And I have a feeling a lot of people in our generation don't. How common is it for the average person to like actually have their estate planning taken care of? When you look up, you know, if you're just to try to look up statistics of how many people die without a will in the United States, mm. most of the time it's you'll find the number between 50 percent to anywhere from 68 percent. So Whoa, it's a high. great number of people, probably at least half, maybe more than half, depending on the source, mm. uh, don't have any estate planning documents. So it's, it's a large number. And I would say among probably our generation and perhaps even, you know, a little bit before or after us, that would be the case. Most younger people don't. Um, it usually, I think it's people who are a little bit older in life who are the ones saying, oh, I've, I've been saying I need to do this. And I'm going to do this now. By law, you can't make a will when you're under 18. Before we go any further, can we define what an estate is and what happens to your estate in Utah if you don't have a will? Because I think the word estate makes people think like knives out. Like they're like, I don't have an estate. Like, what? <laughs> no, I, I think that's true. People hear an estate and they think, oh, you have to be super rich, right? You have to have a lot of money. You have to be a millionaire to have an estate. That's not true. An estate is just anything you own at the time of death. So that's really it includes furniture, jewelry, clothes 
clothes, anything, right? Cars, um, things that most people have, right? And when we talk about an estate plan or um, estate planning, what we're saying is we want to put something in writing as to who um, you want to get your stuff, no matter how great or small that is, right? You can have lots of things and lots of money, or you can have almost nothing. But as long as you own anything, you technically have an estate. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. I mean, I will disclose. um, My dad died last year. I'm sorry. He didn't have a will. And so I had a real wake up call in that moment as the executor of his of his estate. Um, And I've also been thinking about like myself, like I'm, you know, I'm 31. Like I said, I have a dog. I have an apartment full of stuff. I have a savings account. I do, you know, dangerous things like ride horses. But (laughs) I also was raised in generation DIY. (laughs) And so I think the idea of just like meeting with a lawyer or like any of this kind of stuff to me, I'm like, is it real? Is it, do I have to? So do folks have to, like, do Utahns have to meet with a lawyer to make a will or can they, is there a workaround? If you die without a will, so the question, like, do you have to have a will? The answer is no, you don't. If you die without a will, the state has put laws into place as to what will happen to your things. Um, They try to make it consistent with what most people would want. So, you know, here's what generally most people would desire to go to their wife or their husband or their partner. If those people aren't alive, then it goes to children next and so on and so forth. Mm. Right. If you so if you die without a will, you're you're locked into whatever that statute says as far as here's where here's the order it's going to go in. That's interesting. So, yeah. And if that's fine, if that aligns with your wishes, but if it doesn't, (laughs) then that's not a great situation. Mm -hmm. So as far as making a will, you don't have to um, meet with an attorney in the traditional sense. You talked about the DIY. There there are sort of online options to kind of do this on your own, right? There's um, different programs that you can go to and you can input information and it will give you a document and you pay for those documents and then you have to go get them signed. Mm-hmm. That's one thing that you can do. Otherwise, you you would have to meet with an attorney just in the sense that, you know, my neighbor can't help me draft one. They don't have the legal expertise to do that. So that would be an unethical practice of law. But Utah does allow what's called a holographic will which is something that you write down. It has to be completely in your own handwriting. And you could technically make a will by just writing one yourself saying, here's my name, here's where I live, here's my stuff, here's my family, here's where I want it to all go and and get it signed. And that would be a valid will. So there's different varying levels here as far as how do you make a will. Technically, you could do it all by yourself. You could sort of go through a program that links you with like legal software, which is kind of like going to a lawyer, or you can actually meet with your own personal attorney, go through that whole process. Wait, so to be clear, if I opened a Google Doc, typed up, you know, kind of my last wishes and how I want all my stuff allocated and who takes care of the dog, um, and then like printed it out and signed it, that's not valid because it's not my own handwriting. But if I scribbled all that with a pen on the back of a napkin and left it in a drawer, that's valid? Yeah. 
<laughs> it seems it seems a little backwards, um, I admit. But we, you know, if you think about this, the the laws surrounding wills and estates goes back um, many, 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 many years, right? And so this this was sort of enacted. This was a rule way before computers ever existed, and it's still in effect. So if you think about it like that, you know, this is something that people used to be able to do in the 1800s is take out their quill pen and write their own will, and courts would recognize this. So it's it's still in effect. We haven't we haven't taken that. Um, that ability away from anyone. However, we do value in the law, we value the idea that a will should be done with some degree of formality, um, essentially to make sure that what the person is doing is really what they want. And so if you if you don't have a holographic will, which is completely in your own handwriting, the only other way a will is valid is if it is signed by you and it is properly witnessed. So there has to be two witnesses to a will that says, hey, you understand what you're doing. You have the capacity to make this decision and you're doing it freely without anyone telling you what to say or what to do. Like a so marriage. So there's no threat. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's kind of similar to that. We, we, we want to make sure that this is really what the person wanted. And so that's why, you know, it seems a little backwards that, oh, I could just draft this up on a napkin and that would be valid. But if I try to print something, it's not valid. And the idea is that there's sort of this exception for that handwriting uh, rule. But other than that, there, there are rules as to how a will should be executed, how it should be signed. And we, we want to make sure that it's followed. So even if you downloaded a document from, you know, an online legal software, you still have to get it signed properly in order for the will to be valid. It's not just the words, it's, it's how it's signed. That's really important too. The Living Traditions Festival is back in downtown Salt Lake City, May 17th through 19th, and this is when I come alive. It is so easy to sell me on three days of Washington Square and Library Square converting to a global food court, and this festival has truly been one of my favorites for years now. Living Traditions convenes the diversity of artistic traditions, food heritage, music, and art from the many cultures that have made Utah their home. You can expect everything from live music and dance to hands-on workshops, a little shopping, Sundance film screenings, and Bohemian Brewery. There is something for the whole family, and it's free entry. Come celebrate all of the rich cultures that make up our community. Find more information on the festival and view the full program guide at livingtraditionsfestival.com or on Instagram and Facebook at SLC Living Trad. We talk a lot on this show about our city's crown jewels. What are the institutions that open doors in our community and regulate its pulse? I choose Salt Lake Community College, and it is a home for incredibly focused Salt Lakers. Nearly 80% of their students work while going to school, many full-time jobs. If I could do college all over again, I would not be 33 and sitting on these damn student loans. And slick students aren't. 80% graduate with little to no student loan debt or save thousands knocking out credits before transferring to a four-year institution. 
Every day, Salt Lake Community College is transforming lives and communities through education. If you want to learn something new, refine a trade, or pursue a higher degree for the first time, explore your options at slcc.edu. Study alongside hard workers, save precious money, and be one in a class of 19, not 100. If you had to tick off like some of the just core things that are included in a will, because I think for me, the obvious ones are like, you know, where your money goes and and maybe where some of your assets or like your most valuable possessions go. But are there other things that people include in their estate plans that that wouldn't necessarily come to mind? That's a great question. I think when we talk about estate planning, there's more than just wills. Hmm. So a will is a really important document. And like you said, a will includes who you are, who your family is, what you want with your stuff um, done after you die. And you appoint someone to be in charge of that, right? I I appoint m- this person to handle managing my affairs, putting together my funeral, managing those expenses, paying my taxes, and distributing all my things. Oh, yeah. Paying your taxes, of course. <laughs> Forgot it about right. that. Right. We can't get away from that. That's right. <laughs> Even after you um, die. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, estate planning, a good estate planning attorney will tell you that we also need to execute other documents for when you're alive. So a power of attorney is is that document. This is someone who can act on your behalf when you're alive, but you're incapacitated. So you are having trouble paying your bills, but you want to stay in your home. So the utility's got to get paid, right? Someone can step into your shoes and make those payments for you. So that's what the power of attorney does. And there's healthcare power attorneys and there's financial power of attorneys. And so that is, that's part of this whole process. And that's definitely something that someone should have at the very least is a will a durable power attorney and a healthcare directive is what they're called in Utah, advanced healthcare directive. So that's when we talk about estate planning or having an estate plan, it encompasses all of those things. And for some individuals, that might include a trust. Yeah. And I mean, as someone who's recently sat with someone else's estate, like it really shifted my perspective of how like making a plan for your death is not really about you. It's about just making <laughs> like grieving you so much easier for all the people in your <laughs> in your life. Um, and I think yeah. that's been like a real lesson learned for me. And I think it's a lesson, you know, eventually we all learn. Um, but I have a feeling like to the point of why a lot of people don't get their affairs in order because I'm like still numb from that that statistic you shared of how many people die without a will in this country. <laughs> I have to wonder if a lot of people who don't who don't make a plan don't make a plan because they don't they're not married and they don't have kids. And so there's this sense that like if you don't have children or you you're not leaving anything to like a person that therefore it's not worth it. Do legally, like do I have to leave my money and my possessions to another like person, like individual? You have to leave it to either a person or an entity. Okay. So it can be, you know, it could be a charitable organization, it could be a church, it could be, you know, something along those lines or a person. So you can't leave your property to um, to property, right? right? So for example, your pet is considered property. So you can't leave your home to your pet, right? right. Um, but other than that, it just has to be either an entity or a person. If there's absolutely no one who can take your property. The the state at that point does inherit um, 
property, but that's really only when we cannot find any surviving heir or 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 charitable organization that's close to what you've named. So in most documents, if you've named a charitable organization, there's language that's included that says, if that organization is in existence, we'll try to find one that has the same mission and purpose. So we really try to avoid giving anything to the state and it it rarely happens. Most of the time we can find a long lost family member or we can find a similar organization to give your property to. I'm interested in the idea of picking a nonprofit. Like, okay, whatever's in my bank account, Better I go to an organization that I'm super into than into thin air or absorbed by the state. It's a great option. And there's actually uh, special ways to do this. And there's a lot of benefits. There can be benefits to your taxable estate, as well as just the, the feeling that you've contributed to something that's really important to you. And so contributing to charity is, is a great option. And that's something that would have to be discussed and written down. Because um, like I said, the, the statute that's been created, if you don't have a will, if you don't make your wishes known, is it's always going to go to some family member, right? And in some cases, like you're, you're talking about, where it might be a single person with no children, that's actually going to go up to their parents. So it would be their parents who would inherit first if their parents are alive. If not, then their siblings and so on and so forth. And so I, I know some people who say, like you, I, I'm not married. I don't have kids. I don't have a lot of money. However, I don't want it to go to my parents either because there's not a great relationship or they have enough money. They don't need my stuff, right? Um, and so they say, I'd rather give it to my nieces and nephews or I'd rather give it to the, you know, a charity that's really near and dear to my heart. And we can put, make a document and ensure that happens for them. I'm picturing like an organizational chart of like where the money goes. Like, (laughs) nope, not over there. It's like a Cosmo quiz. It's like, nope, turn around, go back. Okay. My last question for you is kind of zany, but as an estate planner, I feel like you've probably seen some wild or weird or wacky things in other people's wills. Is there anything you've had to distribute or discuss that's like so strange? And is there anything on that note you recommend people just leave out of their will? I haven't had anything that's been really bizarre, but I do have people who come up with sort of creative ideas for how they want things to be passed down to their children. So there was one couple where they wanted to pass on a charitable mindset. And so instead of choosing the charity and having... 10% go to the charity that the parents chose. They wanted 10% to go to a charity that their child chooses. So they're getting 90% of the estate, but they have to choose where the other 10% goes. And it had to be to a charitable organization, which I thought was really Mm -hmm. interesting and creative. And we were able to do that. The other things that happen that are sometimes unusual is when you have someone who maybe a child who needs extra help, who's has some um, issues with drugs or alcohol or otherwise. And then we put a special trust in place to have that managed by someone who, uh, an older sibling perhaps, who's, who's trusted, who has a good relationship. And so every once in a while you get things that are unique to a family and to their family situation. But I, I haven't had anything that's um, really shocking <laughs> or really out there. You know, one of the things that Utah does allow, which I've done before, and it's kind of interesting, is you can create a special pet trust. You can put money aside um, and give the money to somebody to act as a trustee to take care of your pet after you die. So here's $10,000. That should last the pet's lifetime, right? And this is to care and house and maintain and, you know, for any vet type situations, here's the money to take care of that pet. And it sometimes makes it easier to 
inherit a pet. <laughs> okay, that's interesting. My dog is actually laying at my feet right now. I'm like, you hear that, Denny? <laughs> We're gonna... We'll make a plan. It's fine. You're not going out on the street. <laughs> <laughs> Candace, thank you so much for your time and for making talking about this like objectively kind of awkward thing feel fun and normal. Yeah, I think that's maybe one of my big goals as a state planner, right? You talk about what are the barriers, what are the things that prevent people from getting a plan? And sometimes it's just talking about death. It can be a really uncomfortable conversation. And sometimes even in our country, we kind of sterilize it a bit and we want it sort of out of sight and out of mind. And that's one of the things that I work really hard to do is to make that a little bit more of a comfortable and fun discussion. And a lot of the issues surrounding death and, you know, scary words like probate and estate, it's just because... It's not common knowledge. <laughs> I wish it was yeah. more common knowledge. So I'm really, really glad you did this this episode. I think it's great for people to learn more about it. And I am uh, appreciate you asking me to be on the show. All right. December is always a slow news month. But the real ones know that December is better categorized as the calm before the storm in Utah. Because starting in January, the Utah legislature will pass hundreds of bills in just 45 days. It's chaos. It's madness. But with serious implications. And as we build up to that, here are two proposals I'm watching. Because I like them. First, the Policy Project is asking the Ledge to support Utah's 15,000 homeless teens by funding community centers with free showers, meals, and health resources. The Policy Project are the folks that got free period products in every public school bathroom last year. I think they're effective, and I'm interested to see if they can get this done. The second thing I'm watching, the Utah State Board of Education is asking for $54 million to fund more full-day kindergarten programs. Utah's got a very high rate of chronic absenteeism, especially among the youngins. The board thinks offering day-long childcare is good for kids and good for the economy because it would also keep parents at work. And the Utah legislature, they love the economy. That's all for us today here on CityCast Salt Lake. We will be back tomorrow morning with more from around this city. Bye.